LeBron James slams the Lakers. We celebrate greatness and we talk about when opportunity knocks. Welcome to episode number six of Reteaching the Game. I am your host, Ethan Noroff, and I am thrilled to have you with me. On episode number six, we're going to get into LeBron James and what he's had to say about his Lakers team. He's been very vocal as the Lakers have slipped to two games under 500 at the time this was recorded, sitting at an unimpressive 29-31. We will get into Dirk Nowitzki's final ride, what it means to say goodbye to a legend, and why it's so important to celebrate people while they're still on the big stage. Big life lessons in that one. We'll talk about when opportunity knocks, not just in basketball, but in life, in teaching. Doesn't matter what sphere you are in, this is a very, very important concept to master. And finally, when we first introduced this show, episode number one, the introduction, and in case you're new here, we're happy to have you. Please go back and listen to that episode. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, your favorite listening platform, guaranteed to have it. Please go back and check out the previous episodes. You can follow me on Twitter so you don't miss a drop at Ethan underscore Noroff. And if you hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, you definitely won't miss it. Slide right into your DMs, as we like to say these days. So on the first episode, we talked about giving you guys a TED Talk of the week. Well, we've bumped that up. One TED Talk per episode, one motivational video per episode. Got a lot of good feedback from the listeners on that particular section. We're going to keep that going. We think that's important here. LeBron James, my man. He has had some things to say, hasn't he? What is his role in the Lakers underperforming? At two games under 500 and well out of the playoff picture at this stage of the season, this is not what anyone expected. And LeBron, although he has been impressive at times this season, has taken his fair share of criticism. There have been more than a few isolated clips of LeBron, quote unquote, cheating on defense. And I use that term liberally. There have been more than a few shots that he's jacked up from beyond the three-point line where you say, really? Did you really just take that shot? But at the end of the day, in this man's first season in the purple and gold, he is averaging 27 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and shooting over 50% from the field. Now you want to knock him, we can talk about the fact that he's taking a step back from distance, shooting under 35%. We could talk about his struggles from the foul line where he's sub 70%. But he has carried this Lakers team. Without LeBron, they have struggled to say the least. So what is that an indictment of? Is it on LeBron or is it on the rest of the team surrounding him? That's a question you have to decide the answer to. But if you're asking me, some of the criticism around LeBron has been rather unfounded. But now that he's getting a little bit more vocal, he's going to hear a little bit more of it. Because Lakers fans are a lot of things, but patient is not one of them. And so when LeBron sees his team get embarrassed by the Pelicans, and I use that term strongly because the Pelicans were on the second night of a back-to-back and they did not have Anthony Davis. LeBron was not happy. He was talking about how you become comfortable with losing and what that means. To quote LeBron, so you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm not saying that's what we are as a whole. It kind of looks that way at times, that sometimes we're afraid to be uncomfortable. 
and kind of get up out of our comfort zone and kind of, you know, have that sense of urgency from the jump and not be afraid to actually go out and fail to succeed. I mean, what? I mean, we have what? 23 games left? We'll see what happens. Does that sound like a man who's happy? Does that sound like a man who enjoys losing? And the thing is, he's not, he's not wrong. Right? This sense of urgency, this has been a rampant theme with this team all season long. Whether it was after the first game of the season or after game number 60. This team has not expressed a sense of urgency you would expect to see from a team with LeBron, from a team in L.A., and a team fighting to make the playoffs. Quote, the last few years, everyone's so accustomed to the losses that I'm just not accustomed to, James said. I'm not accustomed to it. I would never get comfortable with losing. So losing game one to Houston, it feels the same way as losing game 59 in New Orleans for me. That's just how I'm built. That's who I am. LeBron made it very clear when the Lakers fell one game under 500 that his patience was wearing thin. I think that's very clear. And then how did the Lakers respond? Well, they had some time to think about that. Before they prepared for their game in Memphis, they had some time to think about it. And LeBron wasn't done. LeBron talked about the importance of basketball in the lives of these, of these Lakers, young and old. And what he had to say was, quote, it's how you approach the game every day. It's how you think the game every day. It's how you play the game. It's how you prepare for the game. And that's not even like when you get to the arena. That's like way before that. Is basketball, is that the most important thing while we're doing this? Is this the most important thing in your life at this time? Are you giving it all to the game? And then if you feel like you put it all into it, then you have nothing to kind of look back on. You're able to do other things. If you feel like you're giving it all to the game, then you can go do other things. But if you feel like you're not giving as much as you can, then you can't focus on anything else, end quote. This was passed along by the Pro Basketball Talk blog on NBC Sports. This post written by Dan Feldman. And the thing is, you can sit here and be hypocritical of LeBron because of all of his varied interests away from the basketball court. Or you can realize that you need to consider the source, think about everything LeBron has given to this game, and say that if anyone is going to make a statement like that, we believe LeBron to be qualified to do so. But LeBron is very openly questioning the desire of this Lakers team. And then after all of that, the Lakers go out and get embarrassed by the Grizzlies. That was a winnable game, to say the least. And the Lakers blew it. They got a triple-double from LeBron. They got the best version of Brandon Ingram that he's ever been. They've got Kyle Kuzma playing well. And they've got absolutely nothing else to show for it. It's embarrassing. And point blank, when LeBron was asked if the playoff push was becoming a distraction, LeBron said, at this point, if you are still allowing distractions to affect how the way you play, then this is the wrong franchise to be a part of. And you should just come and be like, listen, I don't think this is for me. I cannot do this. Like, seriously, if you're distracted by playoff pushes out of all the stuff that's been talked about this year, nah, just come in and do your job. We do our job at a high level, and that's not a distraction. That's what you want. That's what you want every game. You want to feel like you're fighting for something. Again, LeBron's right. 
But the way business has been conducted this year, it's obvious why this is an issue for this particular club. And when LeBron gave this quote, a lot of people said, well, who is he calling out? Right? Brandon Ingram's in the midst of the best stretch of his career. Since the All-Star break, B.I. is averaging 29 points, 8 boards, shooting nearly 60%, has suddenly figured out how to shoot the 3 ball, and is clipping it at better than 75% from the line. That's the B.I. so many people have been waiting to see. And if you zoom out in February beyond that, he's still averaging over 20 a game on about 50% shooting and over 40% from three. Same thing from the foul line, up above 76%. This is a really good player when Brandon Ingram is this version of himself. As a reminder, Brandon Ingram is still 21. Kyle Kuzma, it's a similar story. I'm not quite as high on Kuzma as I am on Ingram. But in terms of how he's played, he's played well since the All-Star break. He's averaging 19, 6, and 5 on better than 50% shooting. (coughs) And in February, he's averaging over 20 points a game on 49% from the field and nearly 40% from deep. So that part of his game has come back a little bit after he really struggled in January. And Kuzma's been struggling with his three ball all season long. B.I. too, but it seems like he's starting to find it. So the question is, who is LeBron calling out? Right? Who is he calling out? The only thing that I can think of is that maybe he wants his coach to be a little bit more demanding. Maybe he wants to see some fire from Luke Walton. Luke Walton learned a lot of good things from Phil Jackson. The Zen approach works really well in certain spots. But you got to have some fire to balance that out, baby. You got to give the people a little something to chew on once in a while. And we haven't seen enough of that from Luke. After the game, after the loss, another loss versus the Grizzlies. Kuzma said it felt different. That's not a good quote. It felt different. And Luke Walton sat here and complimented the team's effort and togetherness. With all due respect to Luke Walton, this Lakers team has now lost three times to the Timberwolves, twice to the Magic, once to the Wizards, twice to the Grizzlies, once to the Knicks, Cavs, Hawks, and Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Do you know what that means? That's the difference between 29 and 31 and 41 and 19. Okay, that's the season. That is literally the season. It's the difference between being out of the playoffs or being comfortably in. And that's frustrating because those are games the Lakers should have won, even if they win two thirds of those games. That's frustrating for Lakers fans. Very understandable. So when you think about who LeBron is calling out, maybe it's Luke. Maybe it's some of the reserves who have given this team absolutely nothing. But LeBron is right in concept in that if you are distracted by a playoff push and you play for the Lakers, it's time to don a new jersey. And I got a few ideas for you. On a happier note, the other team in Los Angeles, currently the better team in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Clippers, 
were part of a really cool moment the other night, and I want to honor this. This is important. The other night, the Clippers were taking on the Dallas Mavericks. And Doc Rivers did something that I've never seen a coach do at the NBA level. It was commendable. It was admirable. And it was something that we should do more of. With about just under 10 seconds remaining, 9.4 seconds, Rivers went over to the PA, grabbed the microphone, and started talking about why everybody in Staples Center should get up on their feet and cheer on Dirk Nowitzki. One of the greatest of all time, Dirk Nowitzki, Doc said. And the crowd roared with emotion. And you could see Dirk get emotional in the process. Right? If the Mavericks didn't have the Luka Doncic show going on right now, we would be hearing a lot more about Dirk's farewell tour. Both the nostalgia and just quite frankly, how bad Dirk has been this year. He's a shell of himself out there. Make no mistake. But the fact that Doc gave him this moment, this is a really important life lesson that we need to think about. I remember when my grandfather died very clearly. And he lived mostly a good life. But toward the end, things got really bad. And I couldn't really articulate everything I wanted to toward him. Because he wasn't really understanding what I had to say. And often in sports and in life, we do a poor job of celebrating the people that we care about, in this case a legend, while they're still here. We like to talk about all the good things people have done for us over time after their time has come to a conclusion. Perhaps we should start celebrating legends and loved ones while they're still here more frequently. Tell them what they mean to us. Show them through action. Why do we wait when time is limited? What are we waiting for? Dirk Nowitzki was a huge icon for so many players, both American and European. You have players coming into the NBA now who watched Dirk Nowitzki and who mimicked things that he did in their driveway. And now they're calling him a colleague, an associate, and in some cases, a teammate. And we want to wait to tell these guys what they mean until it's too late? It makes no sense. It really doesn't. So whether it's a very special athlete who we're all getting the chance to see, or maybe it's somebody important in your life who you just haven't had the chance to tell how important they are recently, you haven't had the chance to have that conversation with them, make sure they know. Because a moment can change everything. Right? If you live with a partner, never go to bed mad. These sorts of things. This is important. Basketball is a lens for life. This is the type of stuff we're talking about. This is deep. It matters. Make sure the people you care about know how much you care about them. There is never a bad time for a compliment, especially when it's genuine and heartfelt. On the same wave, I want to talk to you guys about when opportunity knocks. Opportunity is such an important part of success in life. You could be the most talented person at something, but if you don't get an opportunity to shine, 
No one's going to know. Someone has to invest in you. Someone has to willingly say, you know what? I'm willing to put myself on the line for this person because I know they're worth it. Every person who's put themselves on the line for me, I feel like I am personally indebted to them. And do you know why? Because they put themselves out there for me. They endorse me. So if I fall short, what does that say about me? And more importantly, what does it say about them? It's about more than just you. So in this context, I want to talk about Joachim Noah. Because wow, what a story this has become. We all know that Noah signed that what has now become an infamous contract with Phil Jackson to join the Knicks. Four years, $72 million. And long before that contract expired, the Knicks waved him goodbye. Noah really fell off during his tenure in New York. There's no question about that. But he was also very honest once he got another opportunity. That's part of this. When we're honest, we become vulnerable. When we're vulnerable, people are sometimes willing to be less invested in us. They see it as a scar, not an opportunity to heal. Right? That's huge. And so when we talk about Joe Kim Noah, he was very honest. The Grizzlies gave him an opportunity. And then he came forward and he said, look, I can look back on it and say, I thought I was ready for New York and I wasn't. Noah said, I remember after my first game, I probably had like 60 people at my house. I'm lit. I'm too lit to play in New York City. Memphis is perfect for me. Chicago. Well, we were lit in Chicago, but I was young. You recover faster, you know. You've got to appreciate this cat's honesty, even if you don't agree with it. He was left for dead in NBA circles. People said his career is over. He will never play in the NBA again. And you know what? He has been phenomenal for the Grizzlies. Since the All-Star break, he's averaging a double-double and has been a difference maker without Marcus Gasol in that lineup. And as it relates to perception versus reality, we said, ah, Joachim Noah ended on unfavorable terms with the Knicks. He was never an $18 million a year player. Now he's probably destined to just wash out, maybe go play in France, something like that. But that was never the reality. That was just perception. We didn't have the full picture. He didn't get an opportunity to show what he can do. And there are a lot of guys out there deserving of opportunities, whether in basketball or any other line of work. Tons of people who deserve an opportunity. But it's an exercise in trust and vulnerability. And those two things are uncomfortable for a lot of human beings. It's hard to get somebody to invest in you, but that's when you have to realize the power of that. When somebody chooses to do that, what that means about that person, about you, and about that relationship, and why you got to honor it. All of a sudden, Joachim Noah has turned himself back into a very useful and legitimate NBA player. Seemingly overnight in the grand scheme of things. So before we have such an immediate, concrete idea of what we think, and the instancy of Twitter, it doesn't help this line of thought, where we have to have an opinion, right, wrong, 
or indifferent immediately, it doesn't help with this. But sometimes it just takes time to form that opinion. We have to know more. And in Joachim Noah's case, he's really shut a lot of people up. Because not only can he still play, but he can still play at a high level. And how we judge players in basketball, so much of it is context and opportunity. So keep that in mind when the next time somebody is willing to say, oh, this player in year three, he's a bust. Brandon Ingram sucks. I hear that all the time. It drives me crazy. Buddy Heald isn't that good. The Kings didn't even give up, or the Kings didn't even acquire anything for DeMarcus Cousins. How you feel now? And in this same theme of opportunity, I want to tell a quick story about Amir Johnson. Remember this guy? He's still in the league. Plays for the Sixers. Well, he's signed by the Sixers. He's not playing a lot these days, but he's signed. 13-year veteran. Do you know what he did recently? He went down to the G League. Do you know why? Because he asked to do it. And in a separate story, he was quoted as saying, you've got to remember what you do it for. And when asked why he volunteered to play for the Delaware Blue Blue Coats, that's the Sixers G League team, he said, just to be ready when the team needs me. I just love to play basketball, man. When you're having fun, that's all you can ask for. You've got to remember what you do it for. You do it for certain things as you grow in the sport, but as a kid, you just play it for the love of the sport. Sometimes you just got to get back to that. Now, of course, that's easy for Amir Johnson, or at least easier. And Amir Johnson is a 14-year veteran. Didn't mean to shortchange him on a year. A 14-year vet going down to the G League just because he loves the game. Now, he's had it easier than some because he's been fortunate to make some money. Of course. Easier to have that perspective than somebody who's really struggling and scrapping to get it together. But this is such an important perspective to have because it can't just be about you. If it's all about you, that stuff runs out and then you're left feeling very empty and with a void to fill. And that becomes very dangerous. Your sense of fulfillment has to come from inside of you. It cannot be through a learned comparison and it cannot be through the validation of others, real or on Instagram. So when you've got guys like Joe Kim Noah and Amir Johnson putting their face in the mud and really crawling through it just to get back in touch with the game that they fell in love with so long ago. For all of us who are not professional athletes, it's important that you rediscover your why consistently. Why do you do what you do? Your time is limited. And if you can't answer why you do what you do, whether it's for work, whether it's for fun or for any other reason, that's a problem. It's an imbalance. Take some time to rediscover you. Before we get out of here, I promise you guys a TED Talk of the Week, a TED Talk of the Episode. For some reason, TED Talk of the Week just sounds good, but it's really a TED Talk of the Episode. It's a TEDx from Sean Adams. It's called The Real Importance of Sports. And I just want to remind you guys that a lot of young people, especially a lot of young men, are matured in this society through the counsel, through the advice, and through the mentorship that they get in youth sports. So for those of you who think 
that 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 may be oversold. It is not. That is a very, very real thing. And that's powerful. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. Can't wait to be back with you for episode number seven. Remember, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Stream on Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. We out.